Hey, 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 this is The Rest with Joel Kovacs, episode 14. The rest of my thoughts, the rest of our church, and hopefully a little rest for our souls. Thank you for listening. Uh, Disclaimer, this is not a sermon for you sermonators out there. These are my thoughts and interests. And these are your thoughts and interests. The rest is a time for open and safe opinions and dialogue. And welcome, everybody, to The Rest. This is part two of uh, a little miniature series that uh, we're doing this month, the month of May, because May is Mental Health Month. And if you're picking up on this episode, episode 14, then you... uh, probably listen to episode 13 where Katie Kovacs, my wife, uh, she spent the majority of the time in that uh, podcast telling her story as it relates to uh, her journey with uh, mental health and an eating disorder. And if you are just plugging in here and you didn't hear that, then you really should um, go back and listen to that before you jump into this, because what we're going to do is pick right up where we left off. And the brief summary is that Katie grew up in a, a great home. First of all, how are you doing? <laughs> good, good. Yeah, ready for round two here? Ready for round two. Ready for round two. Um, grew up in a great home. And uh, of course, every home has its challenges. And uh, and then was faced with some some challenges throughout her family and, and throughout her personal life. And then ended up, um, from that environment, ended up in a very rigorous, what 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 we would call a toxic, unhealthy Um, kind of Bible church environment. And that pushed Katie over the brink. Again, I'm summarizing, please go back and listen to episode 13. And that environment kind of revealed in her, uh, a revealed is not the right way to put that. How would you say that? It, it, I don't know what you're trying to say. Well, the environment brought about the, the eating disorder or it, I mean, any toxic environment yeah. is going to create symptoms in yeah, someone. Right. So, so that environment kind of brought about the, the eating disorder. And then, um, and then so kind of like, that was like, it's quite a story, you know, Katie really shared her heart and it was so great. And, um, and so Katie, what I want you to do in this, in this session, we heard your story mm-hmm. is now I kind of want you to unpack for us what, what you've learned mm. You know, I want you to teach us what you've learned uh, about mental health uh, and all different facets of it. And, uh, and then just kind of take us on a journey of that and then into what you do now and how mental health overlaps with the church. So, um, as you left word of life and then you started to go into therapy, Mm -hmm. um, what, what were the factors? Like, what was it that helped you actually start to heal? Yeah. Good question. Um, Honestly, any therapist, any counselor will tell you that the number one healing factor of therapy is the relationship. So that by far, I mean, you heard the way I talked about Dr. Hill, Mm -hmm. what she offered me in terms of safety and security. That is really how we heal is in relationship. And actually, you know, this is not going to come as a shocker to anyone in the 514 community we talk about the importance of being in relationship, being mm-hmm. in community. And, and that's what therapy was for mm-hmm. me. Um, I say that, but also say, yes, it is very important for a therapist to be skilled at what they do. And she was highly yeah, skilled. It's not just yeah. 
if you're with a therapist, that alone, there's a certain type of therapy, a skill. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I I also would like to honor, you know, just so people know, Dr. Hill was one of the best in the world for what I was dealing with and happened to be 20 minutes or less from my house. And so I had privilege to be able to access that resource Mm -hmm. and just so happened to have one of the best of the best in my backyard. She's still considered one of the most revered clinicians in the eating disorder Mm -hmm. world, which is pretty amazing. Um, Yeah, that you ended up with with her. Yes, yes. Was that by chance? I mean... Basically. I guess. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It was... The backstory of her is that OSU tried to get rid of their eating disorders clinic and she was like, nope, not okay. And she did her And got really angry and said, I will single-handedly keep it alive because it wasn't on their agenda and so created that at Harding Hospital and and that became its own entity. So it's pretty cool. Um, So when I say, you know... The relationship is the most healing factor. Obviously, a therapist needs skill. I think for me, other factors that played a role in that healing is when you think of anorexia, it was objectifying twofold. One is just the objectification of the body and how does it look? What is the appearance? You know, what's beautiful? That kind of objectification. But then I was also healing from the objectification of this Bible college where we call it becoming a self object. What it means is that you believe that your sole purpose is to meet the needs of other people Mm. around you and sacrifice your own. Mm. So you can imagine how I arrived there when we hear these constant messages of service and sacrifice that the Christian life, the major tenet is about service and sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And that's your purpose. I, essentially took that to an extreme of becoming a self object where my needs did not matter. My emotions didn't matter. My life didn't matter. It was all about elevating other people. And so really the, the healing factor of my time in therapy was to get rid of that twofold objectification to learn that my body wasn't just something to be evaluated, that I could um, nourish it and take care of it. And that it wasn't just about how it looked, but then also to learn that my value in this world is not simply to just exist, to meet the needs of other Mm -hmm. people. Um, not even just, you know, from a Christian point of view, but that it was okay to have my own sense of value, my own needs, my own life, my again, agency, right. And even beyond that, my own beliefs, my own convictions, my own relationship with God, um, you know, own opinions, emotions, everything. And so, so that's so therapy, really, yeah. Therapy helps you piece all that together. Yeah. What, what, what specifically, when you talk about those, the twofold, mm. what was it? Twofold object, objectification. I mean, that's an oversimplified, of course there were other parts to that. Right. But. What, I mean, I guess part of the, of what I'm, you know, wanting to understand is like what a little bit more, what led that like to, to that, just if you want to give a little bit more. Yeah, I would say. Cause like when you talk about objectification of yeah. the body, it's like, obviously like, I think it's important. I've heard you talk about what the world communicates is valuable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for sure messages from a young age, as so many of us get just constant from media and, you know, movies and whatever of what is the ideal female body type. Um, there is a feminine ideal for sure. I think now there's become a male ideal. Um, you know, you look at any Marvel movie Mm -hmm. and you kind of see that, Mm -hmm. that imagery, so to speak. Um, and so I think, you know, that was already conditioned in me long before. And um, that you've talked about that before, like what, 
you know, you've talked about movements in like, you know, French fashion in the whatever. Oh, like I just, I yeah. want you to talk about like okay. the, the, the creation of the um, kind of the worldview that we are all like the oppressive state. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of gets into like the body positivity conversation right. to me anyway. Um, yeah. I mean, the underlying foundational belief there, the philosophy is that certain body types are given either power or oppression mm -hmm. and they clearly fall into categories. I mean, certain, you know, body types that carry power are, you know, male bodies, mm -hmm. white bodies, mm -hmm. thin bodies, mm -hmm. blonde bodies, athletic bodies, um, able-bodied So at some people. point in, in the human kind of Western psyche, yeah. what became good and beautiful sure. is like, if you have a cookie cutters of these cookies, there's like all these different great cookie cutter things. And then there's the, here's the one, this is the only cookie yes. that is the appropriate one. Yeah. And part of objectification is for you and for so many trying to fit themselves into that mold. Sure. We, we learn to evaluate our bodies based on that given standard, mm -hmm. that ideal, mm -hmm. you know, that we're given by society. And so we're constantly evaluating, how do I measure up? How do I compare to this ideal? What else can I do? I mean, this is, there's tons of stats around this, you know, girls as young as six years old, wanting to lose weight. Um, I mean, I've got girls as young as 12 sitting in my office saying, oh, when I get my first job, here's a list of all the plastic surgeries mm -hmm. that I want to have done someday. Um, and, and again, so there's, there's macro movements of what beauty is. Some yeah. of these things stand back from into the, you know, 16, 17, 1800s. Sure. And then, you know, most households probably have, and most people, parents probably have, and I'm not saying your parents did or did not, but generally there's a, there's a pressure that this, you know, if you're not thin, sure, you're not, you're not right. Sure. You know, oh, I, you're gaining weight. So I, I yeah. think it's important. Well, yes. And a lot of times it comes from meaning, meaning well, right? Um, yeah, right. A lot of times I'll hear parents say something like, oh, you know, she's gained some weight and I just don't want life to be hard for her. Right. See, I and want so, you to talk to like what you would say <laughs> to that parent that says, when their kid is going through puberty yeah, or, yeah. or they're, you know, in a growth spurt or whatever, or they stop playing a sport or whatever, what do you say? I mean, I, what we say is we acknowledge that yes, there is a system in our world that teaches body ideals, that it is very true that larger bodied people in this world will have hard times mm -hmm. simply because of their body, mm -hmm. right? And that I will not face those same hard times in this body mm -hmm. because I'm not in a larger body. Same reason I won't face certain pieces of oppression because, because I'm Because of the system. Yes, so we say- You're not talking about their health. Right, right. So we say, yes, there is a system of oppression mm -hmm. and- the last thing your child needs is for you to encourage them to ascribe to a system of oppression right. and power. What they actually need is permission to be who they are mm -hmm. in the body that they mm -hmm. are. And they need to know above all else. Ooh, it's going to get me emotional. Mm -hmm. I get fired up yeah, about yeah, this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Above all else that they belong in your family system. Mm -hmm, Even mm -hmm. if they can't find that in the world, they belong with you. And mm -hmm. so if you as a parent are the one saying that, that's and saying that is not just saying that. It's like if you exhibit in your life, this is what's good, and passively it's 
you know, mm. the kid that's heavy in your, in mm-hmm. you, you view your, your heavy daughter as, oh, not okay. Or she doesn't, whatever, like th- that's not okay. Yeah. You're, the, you're communicating in all different ways. It's not just, you need to lose weight. It's what do you, as humans, what do we really care about in yeah. terms of, do we see that larger bodied people that's yeah. beautiful. That's yeah. awesome. And That's that, a different thing. And that, you know, okay, in this world where there is that system of mm-hmm. power and oppression, mm-hmm. which side of the line are we on? Mm-hmm. And are we going to join the side of yeah. dismantling those systems and saying, nope, all bodies are good bodies and let's create little by little a mm-hmm. world where no one has privilege or different ways of mm-hmm. living based on their body alone, mm-hmm. right? Here's where this gets really cool is you know, I actually believe, and this is where like faith and eating disorder treatment stuff Mm -hmm. intersects is I really believe that, you know, if Christ was in a body, um, he put us in a body that reflects his image and then collectively we're called the body, right? Mm -hmm. That being in a body is part of the way God designed his kingdom now. And that, that, um, those systems of oppression are very much a part of what we're supposed to dismantle that Mm -hmm. being in a body, any kind of body and being embracing and all loving to people is really a part mm-hmm. of the Christian walk. So anyway, I mean, a lot of people cool. that you're helping are people who are larger bodied. Maybe they don't fit the ideal and they have pressures from the system, whether it's their families or their, the world we live in saying you're not okay. Uh, actually, no. Uh, okay, I, sorry, I then help, I'm missing yeah, something. No, I help people on both sides of the okay. equation. I help people who have been on the side of oppression okay. for sure. Um, but so, I also, so I'm sorry, I'm just trying to confirm that part. Yeah, I'm yes, not trying to be yes, right. I'm just saying is, you do that. Yes, that you is a part help, of it. Right. Um, but here's, you know, kind of uh, to go back to like Martin Luther King said, no one's free unless we're all free. Mm-hmm. I get a lot of the girls that are already on the side of power. They're Mm -hmm. already in a body that brings them social power, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't feel like freedom. It feels like pressure Mm. that if I don't hurry up and keep up this, Mm. if I don't hurry up and keep being thin, if I don't hurry up and Mm -hmm. keep being beautiful, Mm -hmm. my life is going to come crashing Mm -hmm. down because they see the oppression. They know that it's real. They know that it's true. And so I really work with both sides of the equation. And so it's, it's not just helping the individual, but it's really looking at the entire system and trying to, create liberation. There. So then the objectification of the body and the system, and then the objectification of, of you mm-hmm. and how you mm-hmm. only matter for X. So just yeah. w- from the Christian perspective and the messaging perspective, where does that all come from? Oh gosh. I mean, do you not want to go? We don't have no, to go there. I mean, I think we should. Right. I think, you know, we, we use the word dogmatic in the last episode. I mean, so much of the teaching was very dogmatic, very absolute black and white thinking. Like, if you're not ready to sell everything you own and move to a third world country, then you have a problem with God. Mm-hmm, or like if, mm-hmm. you know, if you're, you know, just a lukewarm mm-hmm. believer, then that's not okay. I mean, so many, so many messages, right? And then I got also what you did not get, the women's only chapels mm-hmm. that were usually about being submissive or what a godly woman looked mm-hmm. like and you know, how we were supposed to behave. Mm-hmm. So just so much messaging about mm-hmm. emptying yourself. I mean, mm-hmm. I would imagine anyone hearing this could go, oh yeah, I've heard those messages. Right, right. Actually, I had somebody today. But it's not just um, the mess, sorry to interrupt. It's not just the messages, it's the culture. Like they don't value the voice of women. 
They don't value you if you take care of self first. <laughs> you know, like it's mm -hmm. just uh, the only thing that's celebrated is when you say things like, I don't matter. Mm -hmm. I'm no one. Mm -hmm. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Mm -hmm. And my basically the hierarchy is who's willing to be the missionary, who's willing yeah. to sell everything, who's willing to do all that. Yeah, yeah. So sorry you were talking today. No, just today alone. I mean, as one snapshot, I worked today and had someone that was, that was the focus of the session is teasing out things that she had heard through sermons in church and how dangerous it, yeah. it was for her. Right. It also is why I care so much about how you and right. John and Carmen or whoever is teaching mm -hmm. in this church, like the whole thing about Genesis chapter one, right, like, right. it started and it was good. Right, right. Like you have to start there. Right, right. Um, not, Oh, you're a dirty, awful right. sinner. And right. mm, you're lucky God spent, you know, right. time doing what he did. No, you have, you have to, you have to have balance. I, I, I mean, I, I, I think that's important. So mm -hmm. I think that anyone that's listening, what she's getting at is like the idea that we're, we need to sacrifice the mm -hmm. idea that we need to serve people. That's all real, but that's not because you don't matter. Mm -hmm. That's not to, that becomes almost an inverted, like works oriented salvation. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't matter. Mm -hmm. So I better work really, really hard to serve others so that I can kind of be Christ-like in the world. Yeah. That's not the message of the Bible. The Bible is you are God's beloved child and he pursues you and he loves you and there's intrinsic value and your child is wounded and hurt and messed up and gets caught up in all kinds of things. And the God comes along and tries to restore all that mm -hmm. to put you back on track to what you were originally designed to do minus yeah. Yeah. all of the things. So when you're in an environment that basically never taught, mm -mm. you are beautiful. Mm -hmm. You are very good. Genesis chapter one, and right. you are very good. You're, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Anyway, so yeah, that's yeah, what you're... Well said. Yeah. Um, okay, so uh, let's see here. One of, the, one of the other things is that you, you mentioned is that you experienced trauma, and I think we mm. had a little bit of a discussion about trauma. Yeah. Or at least you said, at least you said that, that it was like a trauma for you. Can you, can you tell us um, about trauma? And then like we were having this discussion the other day, this plunger thing. So I want oh, you to teach okay. the trauma, okay. like the trauma thing really as yeah. it relates to being trauma informed and what really helps people when they've experienced that. Yeah. Yeah. So great. what is it? Okay. So when it comes to trauma, it, it is really in the eye of the beholder. So the individual is really the one that gets to define it. However, we have some diagnostic criteria, symptoms that, you know, suggest trauma. Um, really, it's an emotional response to something that happened. Um, I say that now there's two types of trauma. One is acute trauma, which we more so think of like the big event, mm -hmm. right? Acute trauma is like, oh, this happened. Mm -hmm. um, and it's clear and obvious and mm -hmm. defined. Um, and then we have complex trauma, which is more of a, a slow drip, like a dynamic over the course of time. Maybe so, living with a toxic personality or yes, exactly. Or like, um, yeah, uh, uh, you know, a tricky dynamic in the family system or addiction or chronic grief in the family mm -hmm. system, like whatever, you know, now they're mm -hmm. saying social media mm -hmm. obsession a is a, is a complex trauma for children wow. who grow up in homes that, you know, mom and dad are obsessed with social mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. So there's all kinds of things on mm -hmm. that, that list. Um, they're defined as adverse childhood experiences when mm -hmm. it's in the family growing up. 
but anyway, so, so, you know, part of what I shared, um, you know, in the first episode is my experience at Word of Life. A lot of it was the, the slow drip, like messaging consistently over a long period of time. Um, but there were like some significant things that happened also that I would say is more of like the acute category. So a per- person can certainly have both. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what's so interesting about trauma is we, a lot of what we know about trauma actually comes from studying 9 11. Mm. And so a lot of it is really recent information. Um, and it's in the field of neuroscience rather than therapy per se. Hmm. Um, and so studying the brain, studying the nervous system, studying reactions of what people experience when they go through hard things. Um, and that would be the classic example of, well, first and foremost, the, the capital acute uh, trauma, yes, the, you know, totally. the towers fall down, all over that. Like I like to view it like like PTSD, if you're if 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 a bomb goes off and you're over in Afghanistan, you have like a traumatic experience. Like you could be scared for the rest of your life, yeah. and then and yeah. then and then. But that's like that. Yes, nine eleven. So yes. lots of case studies came out of that. Yes, for sure. Um, so here's the part you're alluding to. So yeah. a lot of people think that trauma is stored as like memory, like, oh, mm-hmm. here's what happened, mm-hmm. right? And they tell the story. Mm-hmm. But really trauma is not stored like that. You've heard the body keeps the, sc- the score. Mm-hmm. So trauma is stored in our body and then it's stored in certain parts of our brain. Um, it is not stored. So memory, like logical mm-hmm. thought would be our neocortex, like our prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex. Mm-hmm. This is like the rational part of our brain. Okay. So trauma is not stored there trauma is stored in either the brain stem. So like I show you my hand mm-hmm, like this for mm-hmm. people that are actually watching. Mm-hmm. So um, the brain stem, like the bottom back here is one area. So that's like people who have the freeze or fawn response mm-hmm. trauma, mm-hmm. Um, trauma response rather, that's the brain stem is where mm-hmm. it's stored or people that are in fight or flight, mm-hmm. it's stored in the limbic system. Okay. So this is also, we call it the reptilian brain. Mm-hmm. So think mm-hmm. of like, I think of uh, like a lizard in Florida, right. how yeah. it like scampers up the wall, uh-huh. like right. really quickly, right. right? Like that's us. Right. We're like, our nervous system is on high mm-hmm. alert mm-hmm. all the time. Whereas freeze and fawn is either like frozen or like playing dead yep. or completely shut down. Right. Um, so, so what we have now are these really cool therapies that don't include just talk therapy. Right. Talk therapy would be engaging our neocortex only and trauma is not stored there. So we can talk and talk and talk for years and years and years and never get anywhere. Right. And so we have these therapies now developed by neuroscience um, where we can access other parts of the brain. Um, you know, the brainstem, the limbic system to kind of use it. This is the toilet plunger. Like we kind of can knock it loose, mm-hmm. help it travel the neuro bridge, get to the neocortex. So then we can process it fully through talk therapy. So let's get to the nitty gritty. What you're saying is, is that if someone just gets talked at, yeah, they can't just suddenly be healed from trauma. Yeah. yeah. So right. in the church, what does that look like? It looks like yeah. people saying, think like what we'll say to people is if mm-hmm. you're anxious, because a lot of times anxiety is a, is a trauma response. Sure. So if I'm, if I'm anxious church and I know we're going to go like the church route, but like, I think the disparity between what you're saying is how it works and what we think is what causes healing. Mm-hmm. So someone is, goes through a traumatic experience. The church might think, well, they just need to know some scripture. They need to know the truth. So speak to that. Yeah. So I will give you a really great example of this. Um, I think it was in the last year, maybe two years, 
there were three prominent leaders in the Christian community that all three came out with books at the same time. Mm -hmm. And all three books were somewhat around the topic of like calming your anxious thoughts or managing Mm -hmm. your anxious thoughts Mm -hmm. and how to challenge your thoughts and dealing with thoughts and, you know, filling your mind with truth and all of these things. So this is not, this is not bad, right? This is essentially in line with cognitive behavioral Mm -hmm. therapy. And yes, it is scriptural in the sense of, you know, put off, you know, bad thoughts, yeah, fill and, your mind with yeah, good thoughts. Think about what is pure and right and beautiful and positive and, you know, above mm-hmm. reproach and all these things. Um, but one of the leaders, they did like the simultaneous podcast about it. And he opened up and said, part of the reason I wrote this book is because I've been dealing with this negative self-belief for 17 years. And this is what I do to fight this negative self-belief. And I wanted to share it with everybody. And what I do is I... And I, you know, meditate on, yes, I meditate on the truth of the word and I, you know, Mm -hmm. fill my mind Mm -hmm. with the positive things. And and so not bad things, again, things that can help people. Right. But I heard that podcast and I was just like, Mm -hmm. 17 years is a really long time to suffer with something. Mm -hmm. And if all you're doing is to me, if someone has a negative self-belief that Mm -hmm. they've been experiencing for 17 years, I'm like, Oh, that means you have some trauma. That means you have trauma. That belief got there because of trauma. And all he needs is somebody to go in and not engage his neocortex, not just talk or replace it with thought and truth. He needs someone to help him access those other parts of his brain so that he can knock those memories loose Mm -hmm. and actually open his neocortex Mm. to absorbing that full truth. Um, it's, it's amazing therapies that we can do, but that's where it gets disheartening. It's like, oh my gosh, you're going to struggle with that for 17 years. That's a really, really long time. Here's what's cool. I actually shared this with John McCambridge. Mm -hmm. I'm going to geek out a little bit. Um, when you hear me talking about like these modalities or the toilet plunger, Mm -hmm. how we knock these things loose, the way that we do it is we combine these therapies with something called bilateral stimulation. So So it's essentially there's different ways, but it's like touching the body right to left, right to left. So bilateral, meaning you cross the plane of the nose. Mm-hmm. So um, you you can do bilateral stimulation to kind of knock the negative beliefs out of your, like through your brain. But then you also use bilateral stimulation to install positive ones. Mm-hmm. So here's what's cool. This is for everybody in our church. Uh-huh. On Sunday morning, uh-huh. when Eddie or whoever, right. Kevin is leading worship. Yeah. If it's a song where usually it's like a little slower. Mm -hmm. So for positive beliefs, it's a little bit of a slower Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. rhythm. If you notice like our congregation swaying back and forth, like right to left, right? They sway right to left, right to left. That is bilateral stimulation. Mm -hmm. And so essentially what it is, and this is, I think the coolest Mm -hmm. thing ever. I'm I'm convinced, Mm -hmm. I didn't actually learn this from my trainer, but like I am convinced this is like the hand of God in our Mm -hmm. lives and our nervous system Mm -hmm. that when we sway back and forth, Mm -hmm. right to left, and we're singing these songs Mm -hmm. about Mm -hmm. God's faithfulness, we're installing that truth, not just here in our neocortex, in our prefrontal lobe, we're actually installing it into our nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of our healing, right? It's pretty cool. I mean, it's amazing. Like I think just for a second, because when people hear that and maybe they're just hearing, it's like you're talking about with this bilateral stimulation that you take people on this journey of simply like literally like tapping one side or the other. Mm -hmm. And that Mm -hmm. activates something inside of Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. that starts to unlock these, these things. Yeah. And then you take people on a question and answer thing. 
And I just think it's important, like, for everyone to hear that, like, this is the idea of wisdom and how if someone walks in and they have trauma, which basically, like, I uh, the the quote that I have from one of our favorite kind of Christian authors around this uh, and, and, and doctors, she says trauma is the unacknowledged guest at nearly every gathering mm. of humans. So like yeah. people walk in the door, everybody has some kind of trauma. It's important to learn the truth about God. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand what Paul means when he says, don't be anxious for anything. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't mean Hey, if you have trauma, think some different thoughts yeah. and then it, it just, it'll be healed. Yeah. He, there's more healing that has to take place for yeah. people. Just like if your arm was broken, yeah. you wouldn't say, man, just think some positive thoughts and your arm will get healed. Right. Now God, God right. heals and in the kingdom, all this stuff will be healed. And sometimes he does that, but predominantly most of us Christians, if yeah. we have like, if we fall and crack our head open, we go to the ER yeah. and we get it fixed. This is the science of emotion and trauma and lived experiences. And I think this is why you're so sensitive to it because hmm. you went through trauma and a toxic environment certainly didn't mm-hmm. help. It caused trauma, yeah. Yeah. but then a lot of churches could do well to be sensitive to yes the more, the realities. And so you talk a little bit about staying in your lane. What does that mean for you? Yeah. Can I go back to what you said before, before I get into that? So why I care so much about that is if you have somebody in your congregation or a whole lot of somebody is in your congregation Mm -hmm. who have experienced trauma and it's like, oh, well, you just need to think positive thoughts and it'll heal. Or or, or, or people will say like, you just need to know the truth. Yeah. Know the truth and the truth will set you free. You need to fill your mind with mm -hmm. truth or you need to meditate on God's word or whatever the you just statement is. Exactly. I mean, it's it's so similar to being like, oh, well, if you just have enough faith, then you'll get healed from cancer or something. Right. It's, it's really, it's really abusive, mm-hmm. manipulative way of, of promoting faith yes. in my mind that it's teaching someone, oh, if you're not healed, guess whose fault it is? It's yours. yours. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I totally do not stand for those types of things. Um, I also, one more thing until I get to the stay in your lane. Um, I wanted to point out, so you know, you mentioned like therapy is, is this wisdom that's available, right? The science that is available. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to share, you know, Dr. Hill was not, so she was my, right. like the first therapist that I really connected with. She was not, not a, a Christian, Christian. therapist. Yeah. Um, she was exactly what I needed at the time. Yeah. As you can imagine, we say in the trauma world, you cannot heal from something that wounded you. Mm-hmm. You cannot heal from trauma in the same environment that created it. Right. And so I think for me, it was absolutely exactly what I needed to not be in a faith environment for yeah. a long time, actually, sure. um, therapeutically. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had Christian counselors over the years, um, one in particular that was so helpful to me and mm-hmm. really teasing out, um, similar to like the quote you just read, mm-hmm. Dr. Allison mm-hmm. Cook, like really teasing out okay, if you were taught to die to yourself, what does that actually mean? What is Christ actually saying? Mm -hmm. And does it mean completely sacrifice yourself until Mm -hmm. you're completely void Mm -hmm. of a person Mm -hmm. and you're dehumanized and you're a self-object only? Like, no, it does not mean that. So she was really helpful. And then this other therapy um, that I mentioned, the trauma therapy in particular, it's called EMDR. People Mm -hmm. might've heard of that. Mm -hmm. So I have done that too. Um, Did it, thought it was really important to do it personally for some things. Um, before I got trained mm-hmm. and certified to do it. So um, yeah, that's a part of it too. So anyway, that's that. No, so, but I think people need to hear, like if you're going through something and you have trauma, 
mm-hmm. and, and, and think of just evaluate yourself. Large, large T trauma, 9-11, some cataclysmic event, some major, major relational thing, whatever, whatever that, that moment, that explosive moment that just is overwhelming. And you're like, that's trauma, mm-hmm. a car wreck. Yeah. Right. Like so, that's yeah. figuratively and literally a yeah. car wreck. Yeah. That's tra- big T trauma. But then also like if you kind of think about your parents relate relationship with your parents or, or a friend or an abusive relationship or something that just like for years went on and on and on and mm-hmm. on and on. And you look back and you're like, I was kind of abused or I was like that. What they taught me was unhealthy or wrong, whatever. Mm-hmm. You probably have some little version of that. So if you just go and say, well, I'm a Christian, so I'm a Christian counselor. And then the Christian counselor is like, well, let's just learn the truth. Mm-hmm. Your problem is you don't know the truth. Yeah. The truth, when the idea of the truth setting you free is about what Jesus can do. Well, what Jesus can do is that when you place your faith in him, he enlightens your eyes and he gives all people all kinds of wisdom, like learning to help people heal through the science of this type of therapy. Mm-hmm. Um not, you know, suddenly you're just going to be healed of your trauma if you believe that Jesus is God. You yeah. believe that Jesus is God and suddenly you're healed from your trauma. I yeah. mean, it, there's yeah. a whole commentary on suffering and how sometimes when you believe in Jesus, it's like, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Like you may not be able to get away from, from some of the challenges. Yeah. But my, my point is, I would just tell anyone that, you know, kind of is in that world where it's just like, oh, just, just study the Bible and you should be able to fix and you should be able to forgive and you should be able to yeah. hear. I, I, I have no tolerance for that. Like yeah. I love the scriptures and what they mean, but they don't mean that. Yeah. And so uh, I digress on that. I think that's that's a really important point. Mm-hmm. So I tell we tell a lot of our people here, don't go to a Christian counseling center. Why? Not because we don't want them to learn the truth mm-hmm. of the Bible. We want them to learn the truth of the way the human body and, and works yeah. and all that stuff. And of course, yeah. in the practice of therapy, there's all kinds of ideologies and secular thinking that, you know, you, you don't agree and not everybody agrees with everything that's out there. And, yeah. you know, I don't agree with everything Freud said or Jung said, or, I mean, there's all different types yeah. of philosophies and approaches and stuff. And you, you really do have to know the truth of what your paradigm yeah. is and what you believe life is about. And, and then, and then you can, you can go into some spaces and get some real healing. But again, I yeah. digress. I just, yeah. I, I think it's really important. You would go to a, if you were, if you were, and I'll, I'll end it with this. <laughs> if you were, if you had a, 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 a tumor in your brain and you could go to the best surgeon in the world who was a non-Christian, or you go to a C plus surgeon who's just a faithful believer, you would go to the non-Christian. Mm-hmm. You would want the person that's the best at the job. So... Christianity sometimes doesn't tr- go and do what they're supposed to do, or they use the word for the wrong thing and therefore cause more maybe harm than good. Mm-hmm. So this is leads to staying in your yeah. lane. Yeah. Well, you were like all into this and I'm Sorry. like, oh, I want to keep going. Sorry. On that I know I, yeah. it's, it's a big um, one. I think here's what I'll tell people is therapists. We are licensed and mm-hmm. we have an ethics code. Mm-hmm. So right. we cannot, important. yeah, we cannot impose our faith on someone else. So that's one of the big things I hear from people a lot is like, oh, well, will another therapist, if they're a quote, secular therapist, mm-hmm. try to impose some other belief on me? I'm mm-hmm. like, no, we can't do that. Mm-hmm. We have an ethics code to follow. Right. So Dr. Hill never poked at, at my faith, never poked at what I believe. However, she did teach me other things, right? Mm-hmm. She taught me feminism mm-hmm. and asked me, how does this, how does this relate to mm-hmm. Jesus, mm-hmm. right? She taught me 
womanism, Mm -hmm. which is another version. Essentially, it's the practice that the most oppressed voice is the one that gets the microphone first. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, actually, that sounds a lot Mm -hmm. like Jesus, Mm -hmm. right? So Mm -hmm. she taught me these other ways of thinking. And that's part of what therapy is, is learning to think critically, Mm -hmm. understanding all different points of view and really understanding what are my values? What are my convictions for me? Not because someone else told me to think that. So yeah, yeah, whatever. I could go on about that. So stay stay in your lane. Yes. (laughs) So He's asking me this question because uh, this is something I rant about at home Mm -hmm. a lot. Yes. Um, I get really frustrated. I do think that churches mean well Mm -hmm. and are trying to bring more attention to mental health concerns and are trying to bring more attention that people are anxious and depressed, especially at this point in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. Um, I also think sometimes in the words of one of my colleagues, Dr. Mark Neubauer, that that Christians sometimes know just enough to be dangerous. And so they'll prescribe things or you'll you'll hear things said from the pulpit about anxiety or about mental health things or about emotions and how to manage them Mm -hmm. and what to do. And I'll just be like, oh no, that's not what we Mm -hmm, teach in mm -hmm, mental health mm -hmm. or that's not how we view it or- Or that teaching that is damaging to what people are going through or how they're experiencing life. A hundred percent. And so- um, Did we talk about in the last podcast, did did you talk about no emotions are wrong? No, I don't think I did touch on that. Um, Yeah, that's so that's a big one. I don't have a problem with churches sharing stories Mm -hmm. or promoting mental health or um, encouraging counseling, Mm -hmm. therapy, medications, any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I do think where I'm like, oh, you're going outside of the lines Mm -hmm. is when they start to talk about emotions. So really what I notice the most, Mm -hmm. this is what you're asking me Mm -hmm. about, is um, in mental health, we place no judgment on emotions. So emotions are not good or bad. They Mm -hmm. just are. Mm -hmm. Um, Emotions are physical sensations Mm -hmm. of the body. So if you're like, what, what does that mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So for example, anxiety for me, the physical sensation of anxiety is that I'll get like um, butterflies or even, you know, the like ants, like ants swarming, Mm -hmm. like the static on TV. Mm -hmm. Like I'll get that sensation in Mm -hmm. my belly. Mm -hmm. Sometimes to the point of nauseous, Mm -hmm. nauseous. Um, I'll get really tense around Mm -hmm. my body. Um, I will do some things like, um, cheek biting or nail biting or something like really tense with my hands or my, my jaw holds a lot of tension. So anxiety is an example of Mm -hmm. emotion, right? Emotions are simply physical sensations in the body. Mm -hmm. They are not good. They are not bad. We place no judgment. They're sending a signal. They're telling you something. Exactly. And so we feel emotion. We're supposed to label Mm -hmm. the emotion. We're supposed to notice how it feels Mm -hmm. in our body. Some people give it a a description like I just did. Some people give it a shape and a color. That's actually a really good tool for kids. Oh, what color is anxiety? Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, it's gray scribbles like a Peanuts cartoon, Right. right? Oh, I feel it in my belly, right? So we can notice emotion in our body, give it a label, give it a, describe the sensation and then just observe, observe it it, as it moves on and passes on. Usually emotion has a really great message in relation to what kind of decision we need to make. Mm -hmm. Um, what our value system is, that's the huge piece about Mm -hmm. it. Emotions are guideposts to our values. Right. So, um, the example of, Oh, I'm, I don't know, nervous to go to school tomorrow or I'll use this. I am nervous to speak on a podcast, right? right? I, 
part of that about my value system is I've studied, I really care about this. This mm-hmm. is my expertise, mm-hmm. my baby, my mm-hmm. area of passion. And so it it's a lot to put it out there. Mm-hmm. I also feel vulnerable mm-hmm. sharing my story. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, it's anxiety provoking, right. but that also tells me a lot about my values, right? right? So it's, yeah, that's so, generally. So, so um, I think it's important to tell people what to do with emotion. Mm-hmm. And how, and then juxtapose it to kind of the way the church does. Like church kind of indirectly sends often like, you just need to be a joyful, Mm. which again is just like, that's not even, I mean, the scriptures talk about how there's a season for everything. Mm -hmm. Sometimes weeping is the appropriate emotion. Jesus weeps at the tombs. I mean, it's just like, like it can't be wrong to be sad when something's bad. Like that's like your body, you're telling what, if that's a great, if you cry when someone passes that you love, it shows you your value system. Yeah. When you don't cry, when someone dies, <laughs> it also shows your value system. So like, but you know, it's like, oh, Christians just rise above it. Just be strong. Just that. And mm-hmm. I know that's, that, that's not necessarily happening all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Some, yeah. You know, but it still happens. What, what you, so I think in, in the world we grew up in, and I think sometimes the idea is shake it off step up. You need to be strong. You need to like, go ahead and, and, and you just need to be grateful. And, and you just think need about to be the joyful. positive, just be grateful, just be positive. So what, uh, first of all, I don't think everyone's supposed to be grateful and joyful all the time, yeah. but, but what, what are we, we're not supposed to, whatever our emotions say, we're not supposed to just like follow them and do mm-hmm. whatever they say. Mm-hmm. We're mm-hmm. supposed to listen to what they're telling us. Yeah. And so give people like the process of yeah. emotion. So assuming that no emotion is good or bad, um, notice the emotion, sit with the emotion, feel the emotion when you're asking, what are we actually supposed to do? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to feel it. We're right. supposed to actually notice the physical sensation mm-hmm. in our body. Some, a lot of people are so numbed out with other yeah. things that they don't feel it at all. So we are supposed to feel our emotion. And then part of that is, is knowing what the message is, um, knowing what my value system is. And with all of that information, make the informed decision. Yes, exactly. So, okay. How do I want to proceed Mm -hmm. with both the wisdom of my emotion in my body Mm -hmm. and my value system? Mm -hmm. And what's the the best course of action? I think this this is critical because even something like when you're in the purity movement, which Mm -hmm. is a little bit of a sideline, it's like, if you have these romantic feelings, then you're told at a young, that's bad. Those are bad feelings. You can't feel that way. You can't think that way. You shouldn't be feeling those feelings. It's like, no, those are not bad. Yeah. Those are normal. Yeah. Well, how do you metabolize those? What are they telling you? Right. What matters to you? Yeah. What do you care about? And then, and then okay. what's your value system? And then what's my value yeah. system? So it's just teaching people yep. to manage that stuff. Yep. And then I think it's important too. I think just in, in parenting, what this has helped us with is like, you know, when your kid is going through an emotion that like for me, if they go through emotions I, that I'm like, oh, it's hard to watch them go through that. I actually see the value yeah. in letting them go through that. Yeah. It's like, oh no, they need to go through yeah. that and they need to learn how to manage that hard emotion. Yep. And we, I don't want to spend my life having them run from that emotion. I want them to figure out how to deal with that emotion yeah. in the appropriate way. Yeah. And letting them feel it again, that value system piece mm-hmm. is so helpful. Mm-hmm. Developmentally, they need to know, yep. oh, the fact that I feel this way tells me this about myself. Yep. Oh, that's actually really right, great right, about you. Right. I'll give you an example. Um, jealousy. Mm-hmm. This is a very common one you will hear from the pulpit. Oh, jealousy is bad mm-hmm, and it's mm-hmm. the root of evil in your heart and it's going to mm-hmm. grow into bitterness mm-hmm, and bleh, mm-hmm, it's going to mm-hmm. destroy your life. Like you hear, again, read 
bad emotion. Bad where emotion. again, I do not take that stance. I'm like, emotion is emotion. Mm-hmm. It's sensation in the body. Mm-hmm. Jealousy is the emotion that arises when um, essentially it's like, if I have a connection with you mm-hmm. and you have a connection with someone else, mm-hmm. I'm jealous because mm-hmm. you have a connection with someone else and that threatens my mm-hmm. connection mm-hmm. with you, mm-hmm. right? It's so what's, what's the value system there? Right, my oh, connection. I value relationship. Mm-hmm. I value connection. Mm-hmm. I value safe attachment with mm-hmm. my husband, mm-hmm. duh, sure. right? And so jealousy goes, oh, maybe something's going on there. Mm-hmm. Maybe you and I are disconnected mm-hmm. and we need to have a date night or we need it. So right. it, it just shares so much of like, what is the actual yeah, message? Right, right. So we miss out on all that sure. goodness when and, we and just say it's, like, it's bad. Yeah. And then it's like, if Jesus is speaking to jealousy, he's talking about the condition of our hearts. But the reason these things are happening is because of these broken down connections. And maybe those motions are there to send a signal of what's really going on mm-hmm. and help us yeah. because he doesn't want us to be jealous. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's just, there's a lack, I think there's a lack of breadth and understanding what it is. When you look at a verse in the Bible, you look at a context and you just Mm -hmm. apply it to everybody in the Mm -hmm. room. And you know, you talk about being trauma informed and and understanding the process of what people are going through. And like, like I, you know, I've said, I think it's important, you know, that as we continue to study scripture and do church, it's like, what is it actually getting at? Mm -hmm. That's objective. That's not like, some kind of weaponized message towards whoever's yeah. in the room and to yeah. control them. Yeah. So, okay. Um, all this is really, really good. You know, I think one of the, the last things we'll, we'll spend a little time on is a little bit more into your expertise mm. on eating disorders. Um, because I don't know, this is one of those things that this is a hot button for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, anorexia and body positivity and that manifestation in you of seeking agency, it leads Mm. to a whole lot of questions for people about how to have an appropriate relationship with food Mm -hmm. and how to have an appropriate relationship with Mm -hmm. their bodies and Mm -hmm. with other people's bodies. And so like, give us your philosophy Mm. on food on dieting. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a hot, this is a hot one. Oh, yeah. This is like a, oh, yeah. and you and I have these dialogues. And again, yeah. I just want to, I just want to tell everybody like, like Katie's an expert and this is what she deals with every single day. <laughs> and I'm not an expert and there's no judgment here of like, you know, people are going through all kinds of stuff, but I want you to hear your ex. I want people to hear your expert opinion mm-hmm. on diet culture, appropriate relationships with food and so on. Yeah. What a big question. Um, I will start by saying this, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about, about episode one, when I described anorexia as a restriction of agency, we saw that so prolifically through, um, the pandemic, right? Where so many people lost complete agency. Their work shut down, their school shut down, their sports shut down, everything shut, shut down. down. Yeah. The, the grocery store, their ability to get mail without mm-hmm. Lysol or whatever. So um, yes, it's, it's huge right now. This is such an issue. Mm-hmm. And you also heard me say in episode one that eating disorders are so scary because not only are they lethal, there's so many health problems that can ensue there, but also... Um, shoot, I lost my train of thought. Oh, that pop culture really affirms it. 
that we are surrounded and that's what diet culture is. We are surrounded by the societal norms of lose weight and work out Mm -hmm. and burn the calories Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. eat healthy and constant messaging Mm -hmm. about how to quote, take care of ourselves, which really is, is really damaging. Mm -hmm. Um, So diet culture is a system that essentially is upholding that body power and oppression Mm -hmm. that says, okay, this is the standard. This is what you need to get to. Mm -hmm. Um, And it reveres thinness Mm -hmm. for sure. And it also is a narcissistic institution and that it says, okay, if you try this and you fail, then it's your fault. Mm. And so there's a lot more to unpack. It's a huge concept, but um, part of my work is helping teacher help helping people understand what diet culture is, how it's been constantly giving mm-hmm. messages. I mean, thousands of messages daily about thinness and what they're supposed to look like and, and how it's at play, how it's at the grocery mm-hmm, store. Mm-hmm, I mean, so many mm-hmm. things. Um, that said, I generally take, you'll hear anti-diet. You'll mm-hmm. hear that as a buzzword. I do generally take an anti-diet approach. Mm-hmm. Um, another phrasing you'll hear is health at every size. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't freak out. It doesn't mean healthy at every size. Mm-hmm. It means health at every size that any size body can engage in health promoting behaviors and can pursue health. Right. So, I mean, you can have all shapes and sizes and have a varied level of health. Um, So anti-diet means I do not prescribe the intentional pursuit of weight loss. Right. And so even that like ruffles feathers. But but this is not like, this isn't like, oh, this person's in dire straits. I don't prescribe this. This is like what you believe is the healthy track long-term philosophy to to your relationship with food yeah and that's not just opinion this is research this is data that the reason i feel so strongly about it and actually this is really cool so um what we discovered is that when people go on intentional weight loss Mm -hmm. diets 96 percent of people Mm -hmm. will regain everything that they lost Mm -hmm. plus five percent yep and that's 5% more weight each time they re-up the diet. Mm-hmm. So essentially, when we prescribe a, quote, weight loss diet, it is, according to data, guaranteed yeah. to make them gain, gain weight, weight over the long haul. And so, this is, you you experience this, and this is all you see. I mean, when you're looking at someone maybe coming in because of the diet culture reality. Yeah. And a lot of times it presents in my office, like, Oh, I was really successful. I lost all this weight. I felt amazing. And now I've gained it back and I I don't know how to stop it. I'm out of control. I can't stop binging or, you know, something like that. And it's like, Hey, there is nothing wrong with you. I get that there's a diet culture at play, that narcissistic institution that has taught you that this is your fault. And yet your body Mm -hmm. responded exactly the way the data shows. And so, and your body is telling you something. Yes, exactly. That it, it otherwise believes that being on a diet is like being a starvation state, mm-hmm. a famine. Mm-hmm. And so it's trying to save your yep, life. That's right. basically what's yep. happening there. Yep. So um, part of what I do then is help regulate the body after it's been through. Mm-hmm. Here's a choice word for you through the trauma mm-hmm. of a diet, mm-hmm. through the trauma of starvation, through mm-hmm. the trauma of a mm-hmm. famine, mm-hmm. I help regulate and then resume normal eating patterns and then help kind healthy of healthy eating patterns. Yes. Normal. Yes. Consistent behaviors consistent, in yeah. terms of um, what we consider healthy eating, mm-hmm. um, appropriate eating mm-hmm. for someone's body and then go from there. Sure. So, so yeah, I do not 
I take an anti-diet approach. Um, here's the other interesting thing. People are like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I agree. I'm there. I don't like diets either. Like I won't do keto or I won't do this or that. And, and hear me, the way we define diet is any intentional pursuit of weight loss mm -hmm. that you are guaranteed for mm -hmm. that to backfire. Mm -hmm. And so a lot so of people what, are like, so yeah, well, what are we, are you going to ask that? Like, yeah. What, what do we do instead? Mm -hmm. So what would you tell people to do? I mean, this is, you're giving away all your trade oh, secrets. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no <laughs> substitute for therapy. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yes. Especially if you have a skilled therapist. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, instead, if people are like, well, what do I do? My doctor tells me that I need to lose weight. You are your best bet is to focus on health promoting behaviors. Mm -hmm. So get a good night's sleep. Keep yourself hydrated, spend time outside, go for walks, mm -hmm. move your body in a way that's actually enjoyable, mm -hmm. get rid of your stress, you know, at least yeah, decrease, decrease your stress, stress. levels, um, spend time in community, mm -hmm. have good relationships, mm -hmm. um, go to therapy. These are things that mm -hmm. you can do that are health promoting behaviors mm -hmm. outside of weight loss. Um, the other piece to that is rather than eating According to some system or some, mm -hmm. you know, plan, um, we teach what's called intuitive eating. Mm -hmm. So um, the best way for people to understand this is just like the Holy Spirit is in your body mm -hmm. and you know the voice, you mm -hmm. know what it's saying, you know what it's likely to mm -hmm. say, you get to know it, you know when it's speaking to you. Um, intuitive eating, that's kind of a weird jump, but it's kind of the same way. Listen where, to your body. Yeah, you have the way that we are designed as humans mm -hmm. is we have an internal system in our body, mm -hmm. no different than, Oh, my body tells me when I have mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom mm -hmm. and I listen, Oh, my body tells me when I'm hungry yeah, and I, I honor it. Yeah. And so, um, some people are like, Oh, well, I don't trust my body. That's where therapy comes yeah, in yeah, yeah. is really building that trust back up. And, um, you know, for, for me, like anorexia is being so disconnected from the body that if I told somebody, Oh, just eat according to your body. They're like, I, I got nothing. I don't feel. I yeah. don't feel it at all. Mm -hmm. Or I feel hungry all the time and mm -hmm. I'm so used to ignoring it that mm -hmm. I don't even know how to honor it in an appropriate way. And so mm -hmm. that's part of what we do yep. with people too. So yeah, uh, this is the part I was going to share. Intuitive eating, um, it was it was created by a dietitian mm -hmm. and a medical doctor out mm -hmm. in Irvine, California. Mm -hmm. But all the research was done at Ohio State Newark nice. by a woman named Tracy Tilka. And so um, wow. yeah, they took... Buckeyes on campus there mm -hmm. and did, I mean, a whole research project mm -hmm. over the course of a long period of time mm -hmm. um, to test out this intuitive eating yeah. and, um, you know, really instead of eating for weight loss, eating as a self-care practice and that it really helped normalize eating patterns and um, create a healthier weight set point yeah. for particularly college campus yeah. um, students. So when, so the, these things kind of work together, right? Like body image and the oppressive body image or believing that a certain size is the only way, mm -hmm. even your body, it's like, I have to be zero body fat. Like there has to be kind of an unlocking and an understanding of, look, <laughs> God made my body and mm -hmm. it's, it's, it works. And it, generally speaking, it's a healthy, beautiful thing. And so I'm not going to try to become someone I'm not. And so then whatever size I am, if I'm a large body, I, I learned to genuinely go, this is okay. Mm -hmm. Like, this is beautiful. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm done listening to what I, you know, and that's a tough thing because you have to be mm -hmm. in an environment that reinforces that mm -hmm. and you have to learn those things and you have to deal with whatever the trauma of that. But then once you're going to look at that and you go, well, maybe I'm overweight, what you're saying is 
the, the way to look at it is, is to just be like build in holistic, healthy practices all mm-hmm. the time mm-hmm. and, and don't go after the, I need to tighten up and lose all these pounds mm-hmm. because that's not a healthy pattern for the body. Mm-hmm. The body needs consistent, both communal, you know, societal stress, work, food, life mm-hmm. balance. And then, you know, someone may, may go, well, then I'm not going to, if I, if I eat that way and just kind of listen to my body, what, what if they, what do you say to the person that's like, well, I just want to eat sugar all the time. Like I'm just, just help with some of the elementary questions that yeah. go against this. Well, I want to eat sugar my, all the time. My pushback to that would be that won't be true. Um, oftentimes, which sugar's well, not bad. It, here's, it's just here's an interesting example. Mm-hmm. So, do you remember Catherine McPhee? Mm-hmm. She was on American Idol, like mm-hmm. one of the first mm-hmm. seasons. Yep. Really strong, beautiful yep. voice. Yep. Um, she actually went to treatment between Hollywood Week and mm-hmm. her time on American Idol. She went to treatment. Her and her dietitian was um, Evelyn Triboli, who mm-hmm. established intuitive eating. Mm-hmm. So she had like mm-hmm. again one of the best in the world. Wow. And so what happens is when you are restrictive in your eating and you're like, oh, no sugar. What does it make you want to do? Yeah. Who wants, you want yeah. to eat sugar all the time. Yeah. And so what happened? This is important for people to hear. Yeah. So what happened for her? She said she was super, super scared because she's like, I got to be thin for being on camera. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want to lose weight. And Evelyn said, okay, if you want to heal this sugar deprivation, you got to build in habituation. And she told her every single day for a month, you have to eat, eat some Twizzlers. a king size Snickers bar. Yeah, it was a Snickers bar. Right. And so every single night for 30 days, mm-hmm. she had to eat this king size Snickers bar. Mm-hmm. Was she terrified? I'm sure. Um, was there a part of her that was like, oh my gosh, this tastes so good. Like you ever get the lock jaw when yeah. you eat sugar yeah. and your teeth hurt yeah. like that, right? right? But then what happens after 30 days? It's normalized. She doesn't want it all the time. You don't want it all yeah. the time. It's the habituation. You've healed that deprivation. And you're not demonizing it. It's just. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a candy bar. So a, as you listen to your body, it's not some kind of trick. It's like your body's going to crave healthy foods. Your body's going to, because you're going to get energy and strength from protein and you're from good carbs and, or I know I'm using, I shouldn't say good carbs, but like. Like you're going to get energy and your body's mm-hmm. going to function and you're just going to have a totally different view mm-hmm. of it and move mm-hmm. forward in a healthy mm-hmm. fashion as mm-hmm. opposed to, first of all, I have to look a certain way. And second of all, I'm going to deprive myself over and over and over again in order to do it. Yeah. Just kind of move into a normal state of becoming the best version of you. Tell yeah. tell the thing about uh, how, well, I don't know if you want to tell the thing about like the ice cream, like when you have the right disposition that your body metabolizes it faster or something like that, which I I hate to say, like, I don't like, I also want you to talk about how like no foods are bad. Like, well, yeah, just in the same way that no emotions are wrong or bad. We don't put judgment on it. We kind of take the same philosophy with foods that we have unconditional permission to eat, that no foods are off limits. No foods are good or bad. Um, We don't label it that way, right? That all foods have a genuine purpose mm-hmm. for our lives, like right? Like there's a time um, to man to eat some ice cream oh, and there's yeah. a time to eat some steak and there's a time to, and for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, think yeah. about our family alone, like how often we're yeah. like passing candy boxes yeah, around, yeah, but yeah. It also that, that, that 
heal deprivation. I mean, our kids don't have deprivation. Mm -hmm. We have like an open pantry policy right. at our house, but it's also why Jet and Kellen both have almost massive full bags of Halloween candy right. in the room still yeah, they and Easter like, baskets in the kitchen. Yeah, like yeah. they maybe they like it the first it. They day. They like it a little bit. Yeah, right. Um, and they cra it's funny, they crave salad. I mean, and I, does, I, I yeah. don't want to, I don't want to come off as self-righteous like that we have that whole food yeah. thing figured out. But like, I hope that people hearing that is, is, is helpful for people like to unlock something. Mm -hmm. I, I would say that that's like kind of been a game changer for me. Yeah, sure. And in the same way that we have hunger cues internally that mm -hmm. we can listen to and honor, um, that our kids do too. Right? right. And so I'm not the expert of what they eat. I'm like, Oh, are you done? Right. Are you full? Right. Is your belly sure. telling you that, that right. they have that within mm -hmm. them? Just like we Learn have it within themselves. them. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the ice cream thing, we got past that. Sorry. People are going to want to know. So there's research. I mean, this is kind of more in the, like the nutritionist side of things, which I'm a therapist, not a nutritionist, but I, I know a lot of the, the research. Um, they say that if you go, let's say you go out to ice cream with a friend mm -hmm. and you believe that ice cream is wrong and bad and you're cheating and you shouldn't be eating it, that because you're anxious and full of guilt and shame, that your body does not metabolize the ice cream as efficiently. Right. Versus if you go out and your disposition is, oh my gosh, this is great ice yeah. cream. I mean, I think of ice cream, I think of summer and I think mm -hmm. of our kids and I think of graders and, and I think of sports time. teams yeah. and I yeah. think of like joy. Yeah. And I mean, I love ice cream. Yeah, so, celebrating. Yeah. And Enjoying that, it. okay, if, if that's my disposition when I eat it, my body's going to be way more efficient in mm -hmm. metabolizing mm -hmm. that ice cream. Which I, I, I like that example. It's cool because it shows like when you have a, an, a, an appropriate disposition towards food in general, your body responds to it and mm -hmm. probably the way it should, mm -hmm. as opposed to when you're anxious, it's responding the way it shouldn't. It's restricting and tightening. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I, I don't like that example too, because I, I really think the, the, the idea for me is there's nothing, no food is wrong. Mm -hmm. Listen to your body. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if you want to, you know, what do you say like to someone who wants to put on a little bit of muscle and whatever? It's like you up your protein a little bit, listen to your body. Or if you're working out harder, you might need a little bit, you might need to fuel your body more. That's ba the basic yeah, idea, right? I would say, you know, really what we're trying to do is steer people away from the outcome. Mm -hmm. So instead of, oh, I want to arrive at some aesthetic look, yeah. whether it's thinness or whether it's muscularity, instead of being chained to the outcome, really focus on the behaviors. Okay, mm -hmm. if that's your goal, you're gonna have to lift more. You're probably mm -hmm. gonna have to eat more. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you're Taking fueling yourself. your body in the yeah. way that's necessary. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So Katie, is there anything else from just anything, church, mental health, your story. This is all so great and so helpful. I mean, w is there anything else you want to share? The only thing we didn't talk about um, is anxiety in particular. And I think you had shared with me, you had a quote about it or something. Um, yeah, I did. I had a quote that said, you know, there's, there's a lot of it was a little bit in the church vein, uh -huh. you know, anxiety is evil, mm, that thing. Yeah. Anxiety. Yeah. So you kind of address that no emotion is wrong, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, anxiety is your body telling you something, mm -hmm. you know, I, we, I don't think, did we talk about the whole, don't be afraid thing? No, we didn't get into any yeah, of that. So Do you want to go there real yeah, quick? Yeah, we can talk there about that for a second. I mean, I think the, the general idea there is that in church, a lot of times people think that, that, 
when you have faith that like you just shouldn't mm-hmm. be afraid mm-hmm. and you just fear means no faith. Yeah. And I don't know, like to me, and we, we touched on like the, the implications of this, of people walking into a situation and they are afraid Yeah. and you're telling them if you have faith, you won't be afraid. Yeah. So what do you say to that? I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I do not believe the two are mutually exclusive mm-hmm. at all. And in right. fact, I don't even view fear or anxiety as problematic. Right. Um, and here's what I mean by that. I think that yes, in the church, you will often hear like, oh, that's of the devil or that's mm-hmm. the enemy lying mm-hmm. to you mm-hmm. or anxiety is of Satan or, mm-hmm. you know, those right. types of things. And and again, back to what we talked about before, no emotion is good or bad. Emotion is just emotion. It's sensation of the body. The thing that's cool about anxiety, um, its job is to protect us. Right. And so I'm like, ah, oh, how can that be Satan? Like, well, what's, what is Satan is, is that the, Satan is the father of lies and he's telling everybody anxiety is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's not because anxiety is, is, is not a thought. Is it? Yeah, I mean, anxiety is a sensation. It's, it's a, a sensation in your body, state of the body. So yes. when your body is like afraid because there's a bear over there, if the devil is there, going, you don't need to listen to that. You're probably going to get eaten by a bear. Yes, <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. Need, so yeah. let's spend a few minutes here. Yeah. Um, I think I've shared with you at home, especially because we have three kids. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite ways to talk about anxiety mm-hmm. and fear is through the movie, The Croods. Right. Yeah. With the dad, Grug, I think his mm-hmm. name is, where his whole mantra is never not be never afraid. Never not be afraid. Yep. And you see this perfectly, this caveman family that they are just trying to survive right. and um, everyone else dead. Yeah, right? Right, They're yeah, the yeah. only family right. left. Alive. And so you see this great picture of fear and anxiety that this literally is there to protect them. Right. It is keeping them alive. Right. They don't do anything. I mean, I think like in leaving the cave, they're like forward, back, right, forward, yeah, right. forward, yeah, back, yeah. forward, whatever. So um, it's a great way to kind of show, no, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. It's not bad. Mm-hmm. It's there to protect it's us. To protect here's, you. here's where it gets interesting. Um, we have to, we have to get to know it. We have to, mm-hmm. we have to know what it's saying. We have to kind of know intellectually what anxiety is. So mm-hmm. I'll teach it really quick. There are three major types of anxiety. So the one you alluded mm-hmm. to is real mm-hmm. anxiety. So yep. this is, um, there is an actual literal threat like a bear or mm-hmm. in the crudes fire or a tiger that is going to eat me or right. a, a collapse of the rocks. Like there is a literal threat and therefore anxiety is there to protect me and help me be safe. Yep. Um, the second one is perceived. So mm-hmm. this is probably where that narrative of like, Oh, Satan is the devil mm-hmm. is coming up. So um, a good example of perceived anxiety, maybe, um, Oh, I'm anxious to, well, I was a dancer in a former life. So, Mm -hmm. oh, I'm anxious to go on stage. Well, it's scary. Everybody's looking at me. I'm under the lights like this today. Mm -hmm. Um, Is, am I safe? Of course I'm safe. Mm -hmm. Is it perceived threat? Mm -hmm. Perceived. That's all it is. Right. And so I can kind of go, oh, anxiety. Thank you for trying to protect me. I'm okay right now. I'm not in any literal threat. I'm not in any literal danger. Yes, this is scary, but I'm good. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the final one is what we call remembered. Yeah. Um, So you had real perceived and then remembered. So remembered is, is, 
probably more along the lines of what we were talking about with trauma that someone who's gone something gone through something traumatic. So um, I think you mentioned a car wreck at mm-hmm. some point. Yeah, sure. If you have been in a terrible car wreck mm-hmm. and you get behind the wheel, are you going to be anxious? Well, yeah, absolutely. Is right. that anxiety of Satan? No, no, it's not. It's there to protect you. What right. is anxiety saying? It's saying, "Hey, well, there was remember. one time. Remember, be there was careful. one time when you got behind mm-hmm. the wheel and things did not end well. Mm-hmm. Please be careful. Please be careful." And mm-hmm. so again, it's, "Oh, you remembered. Right. You remembered what I've been through. You've right. remembered my pain. Yep. Thank you for telling me." I'm okay. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Mm-hmm. I've gotten behind the wheel again mm-hmm. since the accident. Yep. I'm good, right? So it's just an interesting and I think way I, to think about it. I think it's great. I think that's what people need to hear is that that these things should help enhance and sharpen our view of of what our faith is and how it inter, inter you know intermingles with emotion and and trauma. And I think everybody, like we said, is going through something. So we have to hear these things different and be sensitive to what people are going through. I think that's really important. I think from a spiritual perspective, you know, um, the truth, you know, there's people are like, wait a minute, if we really believe in Jesus, then will we not be afraid? It's mm-hmm. like, well, so there's an overlapping of the ages and this is what people need to understand. Mm-hmm. Like, like there's an overlapping. Okay. So we still are in this age of there's mm-hmm. an enemy and there's darkness and there's really scary things, but we also have a resurrected King and he's promised us, first of all, he's given us a spirit to help us. And then he's promised us a resurrection but, we, but we're overlapping in the ages. And the end of the dark age is going to be the second coming of Christ. Until that time, there is a lot of painful stuff that we go through. Mm-hmm. And Paul even tells the churches in Corinth, you know, weep with those who weep, mourn mm-hmm. with those who mourn. Yeah. You know, like there is great sadness and it's real. And so when somebody, you know, I think to say like rejoice always, what you're, what you're trying to understand is in the midst of all this pain, God has given us some answers to some of the big things that are going to come. Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, I think as we gain wisdom from the spirit of God, we can metabolize emotion. We can metabolize our things and not have them be this like evil weapon thing that gets get used Mm -hmm. against us because they're not wrong. They're there to help us. And uh, we shouldn't shame people when they're going through all kinds of different things. And I don't know. I I just think um, it's great. Um, you know, I, obviously you've helped me a ton in so many ways. We didn't even scratch the surface of, of how this has all helped me. And uh, I don't know, Katie, thank you so much for for sharing all this, for being brave enough to share all these thoughts and to bring your voice and use your voice and your expertise to to share from your hurt and then bring your perspective to help the church. I hope as people listen to this, it's, it's really helpful and it helps shape them. And even when I listen to it, I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta learn and grow and be more sensitive. And that's a journey that everybody's mm-hmm. on. So thank mm-hmm. you. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, guys. So that's the rest, um, for now. And we will, uh, we'll catch back up with you next time. Thank you so much for listening. We out. We out.